0: good we can like all right officially start cool cool so you were saying uh i don't know if you want to talk about this on recording but about
1: your your interest in your band has been waning yeah well that's creative a bit of differences a, indeed well you know i've been in this band for shit going on like six years now and at first i was i thought it was like the perfect band you know but it turns out that the musicians in the band don't really care so much about the structure of the music and actually making a song sound good rather they just want to show off on stage and show off their technique. And yeah, it's kind of been dis- disheartening for me. You were writing all the music, right? I am still writing yeah. all the music, but, you know, I get... You know, the the bassists and uh, other members of the band, they, like, they listen to my songs and they they think it's, like, so simple. And... Yeah, so it kind of is like disheartening. I I spend time creating something that I think sounds good. And then just to have it kind of like brushed off is like, it's it's not that great. They all want solos and stuff? They all want solos and, and, you know, they want things to be so difficult to play that somehow the public is going to know that what we're doing with our fingers is really difficult. But they can't get through their head that the public doesn't give a shit. So that's interesting because
0: uh, I don't I don't really listen to a ton of metal and all the stuff that you talk about and you show me, you tend to show me stuff that's really highly technical. Yeah. It's like, look at this amazing drummer, look at this amazing guitarist. And when I watch it, I'm like, that guy's doing stuff really fast or that girl's yeah. doing stuff really fast and it's cool, yeah. but even even with somebody like you who's sort of like basically tour guiding me through it, yeah. like explaining to me why stuff is comp- complex or how it's innovative or whatever... Um, I, I still don't get most of it. So, like, definitely, if you just go to a live show, unless you're, like, majorly, you know, if you're a musician and you know music theory and stuff, I don't think most people are going to get.
1: Yeah, because the public's general perception of how a song, they, they get the song in a package. You know, everything is just sounds. And basically, the, the everyone focuses on the vocalist and the melody of the vocalist. Right. And it's, yeah, it's supposed to be one package. But, you know, the musicians in my band are trying to make themselves stand out. All right. And be like the center of attention. So that's all, all of them have that exact same attitude? Well, basically the bassist and the guitarist. Okay. The drummer, not so much. He's just kind of just chills. But I mean, he's, a, he's a great drummer. Yeah. He's able to do like very technical stuff. He's a death metal drummer. So he's like really fast. And he does, he does a good job, but he doesn't showboat. That's why I really like him. But yeah, the bassist and the other guitarist, they just want to showboat all the time.
0: It's interesting because there's a lot of like personality stereotypes with musicians. I would imagine like if, you, if you're if you going to have a personality that showboats, they're probably not going to be attracted towards being a drummer because the drummer, you know, on stage, they're usually in the back yeah, and they they carry the song, right? Basically. Yeah. Um, whereas the guitarist is the one everyone's watching.
1: Yeah. We have a bit more leeway to, to kind of, you know, express ourselves where the drummer has to be basically the backbone of the entire song.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good he's not the guy who wants solos all yeah. the time.
1: <laughs> yeah that that would suck
0: <laughs> this is a this is a DIY podcast it's never gonna sound amazing but For sure. it doesn't seem like it's clipping a lot or anything so I think we can just we can just jump off into this all right all right yeah um did you need any water or anything I've still got it. I need, okay good yeah um let me get you a uh, or you can just use this if you want to set it down without making like a loud boom sure. every time you do. All right.
1: DIY Coaster of the cushion. DIY yeah, Podcast. I, it's just
0: because I've got my headphones plugged in. I don't want to stand up and go, go grab one. Actually, hold on. There's one in the room right here. All right. All right. Uh, so thank you for listening to the Tribes of Babel podcast. I'm here with with uh, today's guest, Chris. What's up? He's a longtime friend of mine here in Osaka, Japan. And uh, he's got a he's got a really interesting story. The, can I can I mention the first time I met you? Yeah, for sure. He so we're we in Osaka, Japan. Um, we both frequent like the same kind of local watering holes or used to. I right? that the place we both met. I don't think either one of us goes too often anymore. But, yes. Uh, I walked in and he's sitting at the bar and the uh the owner of the place is like, Hey, this because because I was the only foreigner that drank there that I knew of. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, this guy uh is he, he wanted me to guess where you were from. And I was like, what? Just by looking at him, like I don't, I don't know. And he's like, well, I'm like, well, let me talk to him a little bit, cause like, maybe I can pick up on an accent. I don't think I got it, but also because I think you told me within like three minutes of yeah, I was pretty drunk that night. But then you, you got on your phone and you just started having like a long conversation in Mandarin. And yeah. I was like, well, who the hell is this guy? Like, this is very interesting. Yeah. So,
1: um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself. So my name is Christopher John Reed. Everyone just calls me Chris. I was originally born in a small town, Springs, in South Africa. Uh, I grew up in South Africa. And um, by the time I was <clears throat> 18, I dropped out of university and I landed up <clears throat> in, uh, in China. Uh, you know, my buddy had been there t- in university and he had a t- English teaching gig and he came back for a holiday. And he's like, dude, China's awesome come on, and at the time, I just, like, lost a job at a mine, my mom, my mom got me a job at a, at a fucking mine in laboratory, and, yeah, I lost, I kind of quit that job, it was hell, and, yeah, I just fucked off to China on a whim, without a job, anything, and landed there, and at first, it was kind of tough, you know, finding a job, and not speaking the language, but, yeah, I got, I finally got a job, I got into English teaching, and, Got married when I was twenty-one. Wow, wow. to a uh, to a Japanese uh, female that I had met, and we I lived there for another f- four years or so. So just to to clarify, you met your now your ex-wife. Yes. Uh, in China. Yes. And she was Japanese. Yeah, she was a Japanese. She had lived there for at least ten years before I arrived, and uh, yeah, we we met, we hit it off, and uh, we got married, and then. Yeah, five years later, I came here to Osaka on a holiday and my brother-in-law had found a job at a a school and I went for an interview on, you know, just for shits and giggles and ended up getting the job. So I basically quit my job in China and over the space of a weekend, I immigrated and started working on the So
0: you were in China for how many years?
1: Five. Five years? That's That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and in the five years, like I learned how to speak Mandarin. Not trying, though. I don't know what it is about Mandarin. Maybe it's the grammar or um, just the the, the tonal aspect because I'm a musician. I could kind of pick it up quickly. And I had no choice. I was thrust into a place where I didn't speak anything and no one was going to help me. So I I had no choice. It's very different, as you know, now living here, how there's a lot of if you
0: look for it at all, there's a lot of like coddling and hand holding that goes on if you live in Japan as yeah. an English speaker because there's enough people who speak some English here yeah. and there's a lot like jobs are used to, you know, we'll give you some support and we'll do these forms for you and do that. Yeah. Um so I I sympathize with that a lot. I meet a lot of people who come to Japan and are surprised that they can't just pick it up and I'm like, Well are you are you doing your own taxes? Did you file your own like <laughs> yeah. if you don't have to and when you go to restaurants if you can kinda get by with English or whatever, like that tends to be I think People don't necessarily realize how much they're not forced to use Japanese here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I was always la- I always laugh, you know, there was a, a, a thing on online where I saw a Japanese menu for Gaijin. Kore, 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 kore. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Nice <laughs> Well not to mention that here, I mean, uh, language aside. There, there's just a lot of like pictures of the
1: food on menu yeah so you don't even have to really know what what it is or what what it says yeah indeed definitely so yeah so i, I got the job here and i just i i've been here ever since next year april will be my 10th wow. year in japan
0: so five years in china now 10 years in japan yeah. it's yeah it's that's a big big shift i'd guess in yeah. the lifestyle definitely. um you so the reason i mentioned that first time is because as i understood it and you know correct me if i'm wrong I I think you said that with your ex-wife. Obviously, you're from South Africa. Yes. Um, would you? So, do you ever use Afrikaans in in Japan? or it, I do like um,
1: you know uh, Gerald, mm-hmm. my coworker. He's from Holland. So, um, basically, ho- uh, Dutch people from Holland speak you know proper Dutch, mm-hmm. and the the kind of the Dutch people that had uh, like. Um, Moved down to South Africa when, like, 300 years ago or whatever, they kind of over the space of like 300 years, they kind of completely ruined, like, changed the language. So basically, Gerald understands me when I speak Dutch to him, but he says I sound like a, like a child. Yeah, I remember you
0: guys saying that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, but when he speaks Dutch to me, it's just like completely off of my head. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's, I catch words here and there. Really? But for the most part, if he speaks in his like, native Dutch tongue, it's just yeah, it's too much for me. So, what what is that then? Because
0: that that I forget what the, the name for that is. But basically, like, um, it's non mutual comprehensibility, right? He can yes. understand you, but you can't understand him. That's right. So, what is it that got so so simplified? Is it like word word choice? Is it the structure it, of sentences?
1: The structure of sentences, grammar. Like we we have a lot of weird things in Dutch, like the double negative. Like in in a sentence, if I say like, uh, I'm not going to the store. The Dutch people would say I can't even <laughs> think. Echani eh They have one ni, which is no. Okay. But in in Afrikaans we have a double negative, Echani eh We say no twice. Oh really? Yeah, and and also the pronunciation of different vowels. If
0: you drop the second negative, is it
1: is it like harder understand in Afrikaans or it's just weird. Oh, it just sounds weird. It's like saying it's, it's I don't know, for, for Afrikaans people, like they need the, du- the, the, double, the double negative. Well,
0: that's interesting to me that then he would hear you as speaking like a child, because in terms of, I think, objective complexity, there's more, it sounds like that's more complexity, because you, you have to have a double negative.
1: Yeah. But I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of changes that have, have occurred, even different words um, have changed over the years. And don't quote me because like my Afrikaans is pretty bad. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, I mean I studied it in school and I can speak like basic conversation stuff, but I mean, I just barely got through. it. So is that
0: not your? Wh- I, that's what it, was that, that's where I was going with that question. Is is that not what you call your native language? No, then? that's my second language. Okay,
1: so th- schooling in South Africa is structured all multilingual. Okay, so if your first language is English, you will take all of your classes in English and have Afrikaans or Zulu as your second language. Okay. And vice versa. All Dutch people take everything in Afrikaans and their second language is English. Okay. okay. And the whole school system is structured like that. So your family speaks English at home? Yeah, my family speaks English at home, but they, they can all speak Dutch as well. Interesting. And all the, like, the teachers are all bilingual as well. So they would teach both the English students and the Dutch students. Yeah.
0: Wow. So okay, that that explains a little bit more because you know the time we've hung out, you've occasionally tried to teach me like the odd Zulu word here or there, yeah. which I, I cannot remember except for except for Away brew,
1: away brew That's the only a-way, one. Awe, yeah, awe. Um, <laughs> that's more like Zulu mixed with Afrikaans. Oh, is it okay? Yeah.
0: So it's not even not even really a Zulu. Yeah,
1: awe. You know, Zulu people say that just to say like, hey, what's up? Awe, awe. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't realize, but I just I guess I assumed that like everyone spoke
1: Afrikaans as their native language, but Clearly, I was wrong. About yeah, it's it's a bilingual thing. Okay, but uh, yeah, like I only took Zulu for like one year of high school, but it's 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 insane. Zulu is another level, yo. It's so hard. Yeah. There's a pronunciation, the way you have to roll your tongue and click, and and it's it's really hard, and it's complicated language.
0: Yeah, so there's something to talk about. Um, the, why I was saying five years in China, ten years in Japan, and and what I was gonna say is that with your with your ex wife, what I found really interesting is you guys are a rare couple, in terms of the the you know the way your relationship was structured. Yeah. Um, with with regards to language, I think I've known people in the U.S. in situations like this, but you're the only ones in Japan I had met, uh, which is that you lived in Japan. She's Japanese, obviously. Her native language is Japanese. Your native language
1: is English. But your lingua franca at home was Chinese. That's right, yes. So, yeah, we, when we met each other, I didn't speak any Japanese and she didn't speak any English. So, we only had... Chinese was the common language between us. So, yeah, we just stuck with that. And it became like this weird hybridized sure. version. Because she started learning English and started sprinkling English. And I started learning Japanese and sprinkling Japanese into it. So, nobody could understand what the fuck we right, were, because were
0: talking about. No one else needs to be able to understand you guys. It's just... Yeah. It's your own language essentially yeah. at that point. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting. Ah. Ah, that's very interesting. <laughs> so you mentioned that um, Mandarin was—I don't want to say easy, but you kind of just naturally picked it up.
1: Yeah. I don't know what it was, man. Like again, I got thrust into it, so I had no choice. Basically, my first year there, because taxis are so cheap, I would I would um, just take a taxi to work every day. And basically, a taxi ride to work was the same as a bus here in Osama. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I would basically just... The first thing I ever learned to say in Chinese is, Which is, what is that? That's a really good first <laughs> phrase to know, yeah. Yeah, and I would just sit with with drivers and just ask them questions with a book. Like, what's that? What's that? How do you say that? How do you say this color? And I would just write this shit down, just words. And I, I started there. And then as I was like trying to converse, like I would start to pick up little like oh this is how they use verbs and oh, this is the, the negative and this is the past tense and then I, it just one day just will went click and ah oh, i got it i i i can kind of under see like see almost like a puzzle how they speak cuz it's it's actually very simple the grammar is quite simple and it follows the same word order as english and stuff i've heard it it, it can okay it can yeah in some places it doesn't but it basically it follows the same word order as english and the grammar, like the basic rules of grammar, are really simple. Like, if you want to say a negative, you just add this word to every verb, regardless of context, regardless of tense. Hmm. You know, you want to sp- you want to speak in the past tense, you add this at the end of a verb, and now you're in past tense. Right.
0: You're n- so you're not conjugating verb stems and stuff. It's no. just it's just a verb plus a, ne- a past word.
1: Yeah. So it's 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 simple. So in about I think it took me like a year and a half, and then suddenly it just kind of clicked into place. And I could have like full-on sentence conversations with people. So that at that point, I just kind of worked on my vocabulary. And as my vocabulary grew, the little nuances of the grammar that I hadn't done yet kind of just also fell into place.
0: Yeah, that's really, it's a really interesting process. And you, you've you told me um, that you found Japanese a
1: lot more difficult. to. <laughs> it's, it's, inc- it's insane. Like I, I've struggled since I got here. And well, I haven't really, I kind of gave up a, a lot of times. I, you know, I got, you gave me books as well. And I try to read through the books and it's just, it's, it's hard. It's much harder. I had the impression that I was just going to come here and it was just going to click like it did in China. But no, it's taken me nine years to get to the small little level of Japanese that I have now where mm. I can call somebody and like make an order or. It's going to say, you sounded good
0: just now when you, when you showed up, you got a call on your phone. And mm. I, I didn't, wasn't eavesdropping. I sort of went into the next room, but I could hear you talking and like, you sound a lot better than the last time I
1: heard you like carrying out a conversation in Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been working on it a little bit, you know, just kind of questions and answers, rather than learning big grammar stuff. Like, let's just do some when questions.
0: Well, as I'm sure you you learned learning Chinese the way you did, like you don't need to know all the grammar to hold a conversation. Like you said, if you have the, some basics down or you can express yourself, it, you know, for example, in English, maybe you can't say things the exact right way, but you can get your point across. Yeah, like. I I know go to store tomorrow still gets the point across. Yeah. Like, even if you can't figure out to say I am not going or I will not go or whatever. I mean, that's a silly example. But I think there's a lot of that where it's like at a certain point, once you can communicate,
1: like you're, you're now
0: functional and
1: then you just have to iron out some mistakes. Yeah. I feel in Japan, though, like that's one thing about the difference between speaking Chinese and speaking Japanese. In Japan, you can get away with speaking kind of broken, chopped up Japanese. For the most part, people will get you. Like, understand, oh, he's a he's a foreigner, and he's trying his best, but we can kind of grab his words and maybe get sense out of it. In Japan? In Japan. Okay. In China, in, Chine- in Chinese, you cannot make a mistake. Tonally, you can't make a mistake. Right, because it's a totally different word. Yeah, because right. if you make a tonal mistake, you you just, like, you know, you, you said pumpkin instead of something else. <laughs> wow. You know, so that's, that's the one thing. But again, for me, uh, being a musician... Um, the, my my accuracy with chinese it comes from my my ability to look at chinese tones as a melody so i wouldn't learn tones for single words i would get common words put them into a sentence and memorize the whole tone shape of a sentence and that's how i could remember how to speak properly with different uh, sentences cuz you know i didn't go out and learn like all the jargon for different things i speak basic conversation but i speak it really well mm. yeah that's really interesting um And I, so there's an
0: interesting thing there about now that you've been, you've been in Japan twice as long as you were in China and you're still finding Japanese, the more difficult language. And in my case, I, I never lived in China. I've never even really uh, traveled in China, but you know, so I've been to Taiwan or whatever. And I've been around like Chinese speaking people, obviously in other parts of the world because there's big Chinese speaking communities in lots of countries. Um, And it never struck me as a language that I could figure out. Whereas Japanese, so I, I came at Japanese after having studied Spanish. Um, in school and like my my mother's side of the family speaks Spanish and being around Spanish a lot and kind of understanding it you know what I mean like I don't speak it very well and I don't perfectly understand it but I mean I can actually it's Spanish as well because it's similar enough to, to English and and it's you know got a lot of uh, common roots and it's written using the same alphabet like I can open a book in Spanish and, and like figure out a lot of what's being said yeah um, and so I came at, at Japanese after learning Spanish and I was immediately like, there's a lot of stuff about this language that's easier than Spanish. Really? And it shouldn't be, you know, in, in theory, because it's, it's way farther away in terms of historical development and, and cultural development than English is. It doesn't have a lot of the same rules as English. But one of the things immediately about Japanese that I was like, okay, I'm going to be okay in this language, was that there's not many irregularities. Yeah. Like, If you learn the rules, the rules are your friend almost all the time. Yeah. And like, it, I don't think that's true in any European language. Just yeah. because there's been so much admixture. I mean, English, like we, we both teach it. Like, if you try to get into the weeds of English grammar, you say, like, okay, this is the rule. Immediately, anybody who knows any English is like, but what about in this case where it's not? Like, yeah.
1: I before E except after C. Yeah.
0: Except in a bunch of other words. And, you know. Yeah, um, there are
1: so many convoluted uh, rules that just don't, that it's, it's not square and perfectly fits in a box. It's, it's very pliable.
0: Yeah. So for me, for the way I learned with Japanese, I was like, okay if i can just remember these rules it's sort of like memorizing um like coding yeah <laughs> or like sports rules or something if you just remember the relationships between things and the rules like that for me that was a lot that that did a lot where i was like okay i i i just got to remember this stuff um, whereas in Spanish, it was there's a lot of like verb memorization. Yeah. What's the past tense first person? What's the past tense second person? And then future tense for And there's all this stuff. And English is the same way, except I didn't learn it as a second language, right? I, yeah. I'm lucky in that sense that I was spared having to learn because English is, I think, a nightmare. It is. Um, to try to speak natively. Yeah. Um. Anyhow, so for me, Japanese was like. The easiest language I've tried to learn. I'm using air quotes because it's, it's not an easy language, and there's a lot of stuff that I'm not mentioning. Like reading and writing is quite difficult in, in <laughs> <Yeah>. Japanese. <laughs> yeah, I think it it's is. harder than Chinese because it's like Chinese plus a bunch of other stuff that doesn't yeah. make sense. Plus two more alphabets. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, and the Chinese is not even consistently read. Yeah. They don't. Sometimes they use Chinese-esque pronunciations or Chinese-derived pronunciations, and other no. times it's not. But I see. Um. But Chinese on the other hand, as soon as I, like I I bought one textbook in high school and I just was like, it was like, I think it was like Chinese for busy people. It wasn't even like a proper textbook. It was like learn. As soon as I like tried to memorize like some words and some sentences with the tones, I was like, I guess I can't even hear, I can't even hear if I'm, if I'm, if I'm matching the tones. Yeah. And maybe it comes down to like having no musical training or no musical instinct or something like you say, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting that for you, that was the thing that was like your foothold. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I just, everyone's different, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to sum it up. To sum it all up, everyone's different. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of foreigners here struggle. Like I have so much respect for you that you can get to the level of Japanese that you're, that you're at. But um, yeah, for me, it's, it's, that's a mountain. That's an in, it's almost like an insurpassable mountain, learning to re- speak, read and write Japanese. It's just like, yeah, I've got better things to do. I can get by and, you know, maybe <laughs> go paint a picture or something.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if it deserves that much respect. I mean, kind of like we're talking about, it's not It's not as though, like you say, I think probably learning Japanese was in a way less work for me than it has been for you. And Like, yeah. learning Chinese would be a lot more work for me than it sounds like it was for you for whatever reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting how that works. I wonder how much of it comes down even to, like, brain structure and stuff that you for you, it was like Chinese intuitively made sense. Yeah. And for me, Japanese did. In, like I say, in, in more than Spanish, which doesn't make sense. Mm. You know, it shouldn't, it ought not be that way, but, but it is. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um. Okay. So can we talk more about the South Africa stuff?
1: Yeah, Gulu sure. And, and uh, it, it Afrikaans or Afrikaner? So Afrikaans is the name of the language. Okay. And people who speak okay. Afrikaans are called Afrikaners. Thank you. Yeah, and Dutchman is uh, quite a derogatory term in South Africa. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You You know, people from Holland, you call them a Dutchman. But, uh, yeah, in South Africa, I don't call Afrikaans people Dutchman. Even when speaking English, it's, it's yeah. rude in English. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow. It's like, it's the same as, like, the Afrikaners call us, well, it's another derogatory term. They say Royneck, which means redneck. Oh, it, interesting, yeah. okay. Yeah, because the British all got rednecks being in, uh, being you know, in the sunlight. <laughs> so, wait, so, so to...
0: Dutch Afrikaners British are like pasty really ridnex, yeah. really really yeah. <laughs> that's interesting
1: yeah and yeah but it's it's a it's a, it's a difficult language to pronounce you know I've, of course I've, I've taught you some words but like the G it makes a sound mm-hmm. and R is a rolled. R. and um yeah it's interesting it's a very interesting language and I'm trying to like that's why I, I, I try to speak as much dutch as i can with gerald just trying to hold on because i don't want to lose it completely sure yeah you know it's something from my heritage that i should uh, hold on to yeah so how does how does being a multilingual society in
0: in south africa shake out like the only country i've been to that has that kind of a structure is probably singapore yeah there's where there's a lot of there's a lot of different native languages in people's homes but then they have to kind of Come together and use English in schools and in, in workplaces and stuff, and they've developed their own sort of hybrid kind of patois of it. In, yes, in Singapore. So what, what's it? So you say classes are multilingual and they're they, they're matched to like if you if your native language is English versus Afrikaans yes. versus Zulu.
1: But I, I guess the, <clears throat> the the most widely spoken language in South Africa is English, and of course it's it's weird how it manifests, how apartheid manifested into the culture of of uh, everyone in, in South Africa where you know before my time everyone's like more people so it was basically English Afrikaans that was it and then after apartheid ended of course then you know they uh, the black people were given rights and of course they, you know, their their language and their culture prospered but uh, it's it's strange because you know for example my parents have we still have like maids and gardeners hmm we've they've, we've always had a maid or a gardener and you know not to sound you know kind of bad but yeah they're they've always been black because yeah, they come from a you know, poor society so i mean we, we pay them and we treat them well and they're not, they're not in like indentured serv- sure. servants or whatever they're, it's their job and we pay them a salary but it's it's weird because i've met some like like gardeners for example that only speak dutch hmm. they speak no english really because they grew up in apartheid Hmm. And they worked with only Afrikaans people during right. that time. And then, you know, I meet others that only speak English in Zulu or Kosa. And it's it's weird.
0: <laughs> so during apartheid then, I'm assuming they were probably not educated in Dutch. They're no. Just, they worked with Dutch families? That's and, right, yeah. Okay. And nowadays, everyone gets that same kind of education that you were talking
1: about? That's so right, like, yes. Okay. So most people, they go to public school and, uh, yeah, so... I mean there are different kinds of schools. We have all English schools as well. We have all girls schools, all boys schools and then we have the bilingual schools, which are the I think the most uh, predominant in South Africa the, w- with regards to public schooling. Hmm.
0: Yeah And how about in, in workplaces like you said you worked at a mine and that's probably a big industry in South Africa, Office offices, factories, like what's the kind of the main language that's English English
1: yeah. okay. So basically the, the, the top of the pyramid is English. Everyone needs to learn English. And then, of course, they have their the other languages as well. Is there any resentment from that? I mean, like
0: you say that the the uh, Afrikaners say was it Roetnek Roet uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm just gleefully repeating <laughs> this this derogatory <laughs> phrase. I apologize. It means nothing to me. But oh, um, whatever. So I mean, if there's if there's a derogatory term for like British descended people or or English speaking people, is is there a lot of resentment that the main language is English?
1: Well, I mean, that was, I, th- I guess it was a word that's, it's quite old. I mean, we don't, I mean, if, if an Afrikaans guy called me a, a Roinek, I just laugh, you know, it doesn't really mean anything okay. to me. I, I, I guess also the culture and the, the people with regards to like English and, and Afrikaans are also a little bit different. Afrikaans people tend to be more Christian, so therefore more conservative, whereas, you know, English people need, tend to be a little bit um, less conservative and more like left wing almost. Okay. Yeah. So you know, there's, there's that cultural factor that also gives the language, you know, these derogatory words or, you know, these kind of phrases It gives it more of a punch. Mm. Where, you know, if, if, a, if an Afrikaans guy called me a Roinek, I wouldn't care anything of it. But if I called him a Dutchman, he might get upset. With Interesting. Me. Yeah. OK.
0: And how about the I don't know, is it when, when we when you talk about the black population there, is
1: it one ethnic group or is it several? uh it's, yeah, there's a lot okay so basically the the, the two biggest kind of tribal uh, ethnic groups are the zulus uh, you, which you've heard of mm-hmm. and the Osa's, and that's the name of their language good and luck
0: like- to me trying to trying to
1: reference them yeah. And talking them. yeah <laughs> say it again Osa. Osa. yeah, the Kosa people, <laughs> and they are the, the, the direct descendants of the Khoisan people. Their language is basically derived from the Khoisan. Okay, people.
0: it's written with the exclamation point at the beginning. No, it's XH, XH. XH. Okay, but they have
1: three clicks. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't speak any Kosa, but they have a, and then another like an S sounding, wow. and uh, yeah, these are different like consonants wow. in their language. And yeah, the Khoisan language is just otherworldly. I mean, that, that that language is like fifteen thousand years old. So where, so the Osa
0: are in South Africa. Yes. Are they in other countries around South Africa as well? Or are they? I guess so. Yeah. And but then the Khoisan are are the elsewhere.
1: Kho, the Khoisan are basically they're the, they're they're our Native Americans. Okay. They are. They were the first people in South Africa before the Zulus, before anybody, and um, they were hunter gatherers in the deserts of the Kalahari. There's a big Like in a kind of semi desert Mm -hmm. Sahara kind of area in the middle closer to like the Eastern Cape. Okay. And they have been living there for fifteen thousand years. And they still some of them still live exactly the same way that they did fifteen thousand years ago. But of course, things happened and there are now we have other tribes. We had I guess I'm not too familiar about the history of South Africa, but I'm guessing that there were other tribes that came down from different parts of uh, cent- Central and Northern Africa and kind of pro- pro- what's the word? Like their culture also, like, kind of grew and changed. Proliferated? Pro- that's the, proliferated, yes, their culture and their language. So there are 11 official languages okay. in China, uh, in, in South Africa, sorry. Okay. Wow. So I, I believe it's, yeah, there's like uh, English, Afrikaans, Zulu, Mosa. And there's like all these different tribal languages. So is it one ethnic group is
0: kind of a stupid question because there's there's a lot. It's a a lot. Wow. Wow. Okay. So
1: is is Zulu the, the, would you say, the third most common language? I guess so, yeah. Well, I mean, again, things are changing in South Africa. And, uh, you know... White people are, are becoming kind of a minority in okay. South Africa. A lot of white people are leaving South Africa because of the economic state of the country. Also the crime, as you know, is, it, it's insane. So a lot of people are emigrating. And so is it,
0: are South Africans like the Australians and I don't know a ton of detail about the, the legal regime, but I get the impression from what I see in Australian news and TV and meeting Australians that they seem to have a lot of them seem to have the option to go to the UK.
1: Ah, yes. Is, is it the same thing in South Africa? Uh, a lot of South Africans have the option to go to Australia. Oh, really? Yes. One of, uh, Australia is one of the kind of, like, sanctuaries for, for South Africans that are looking is, to leave the country. Is that because of the Commonwealth
0: relationships with it, the I think it former could be. UK
1: empire? Like, could you go to Canada as well and do the same thing? Or? I'm not sure, actually. Okay. Because I know, like, I, I used to go to Hong Kong and I didn't need a visa. Mm. So, like, that Hong Kong used to be Commonwealth before this right. whole China debacle. But Right. Um, yeah, so usually it's, it's much easier for South Africans to emigrate to Australia. I'm not sure about UK anymore because, again, with Brexit, I'm not sure. But, again, I've never been to the UK. I've never been to Canada, so I'm not too sure about that. But I know that a lot of South Africans emigrated to Australia, not because of, not just because of like the ease of uh, getting a visa to stay there, mm-hmm. but also the culture of Australia is somewhat similar to South Africans. Okay. Yeah, you know the outdoorsy barbecue culture you know it's it's somewhat similar so i think that it's, it's a it's a very nice place well, not a nice place but it's a place that south africans want to be
0: is that equally true for english south africans and uh and dutch south or Afrikaners? yeah and it so you say white people are leaving is there an equivalent thing for like zulu people
1: yeah of course i mean like in there are a lot of black people that have also left the country really? due to the, the the economic state but um, yeah again I haven't looked into it it's like the the, the data yeah, <laughs> you
0: know? yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not
1: trying to you know grill you over like the the statistics or the yeah but from what I from what I know is like yeah most of the a lot of the white South Africans are, are leaving and yeah it's also you know the, the government in South Africa is kind of You know, it's it's one of the most corrupt governments in the world. Really? And there's a lot of talk going on at the moment. You know, you hear a lot of these kind of political, um, these political figureheads. And it's quite scary, actually. They sing songs from, like, the old apartheid times where it's like, kill the the boor and shoot the white man. You know, like, they sing it in big crowds at these political rallies. And then people called them out on it as, as being, like, sort of, you know, kind of, like, um, death threats almost. And they just brush it off.
0: That's extremely familiar <laughs> uh, in a weird parallel universe kind of way to stuff that's been going on in the U.S. And do you think that there, is there any connection? Like, I, I attribute a lot of it um, in the U.S., a lot of this rise of, like, sort of extreme rhetoric and extreme, like, um, in the case of the U.S., I think it's it's white nationalism has been the most surprising thing to reappear. Yeah. But do you? In, in my, my interpretation of a lot of it comes to the internet. That there was a lot of there's a generation of people, and probably people who were older as well, and just sort of like their views changed from being on the internet. That suddenly felt comfortable to express a lot of things that maybe you wouldn't have expressed before because it used to be when you talked about politics with your neighbors or your classmates or your coworkers, you had to sit in a room with somebody and look them in the eye yeah. and say what you were saying. And with the internet, it's allowed people to, like, go, like, tee-hee-hee.
1: And, hide behind your screen. And
0: say whatever they want. And um, it's not just politics, but I think um, groups who... It could be very innocent, like, say, coin collectors. Maybe if you were a coin collector in a small town, you were the only coin collector in a small town. But thanks to the internet, you can find all the other coin collectors and you can, like, really get into the weeds and talk to them about the hobby and, like, really go... You can become, like, a 150% coin collector, right? Yeah. Um, I think with a lot of, like really horrific political views the similar things happened where they they, found each other (laughs) they they found each other and they found a place where they can talk and no one can hold them accountable and
1: do you think that that's going on in in south africa most definitely really so you think the internet plays a role in the internet not only the internet but just in general you know after the end of apartheid thank god for nelson mandela because the anc government was Ready. They were ready to just make life for white people in South Africa. Absolute hell. Yeah, He famously came in and was like, let's hold the whole thing together. Yeah. Oh. And he fa- like they wanted to immediately start changing the names of, of uh, universities and they wanted to change the, the name of our rugby team. And uh, Nelson Mandela came in and said, no, 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 no. We can't just reverse this whole thing back onto the white people. We have to become together. And he called it the Rainbow Nation. And there was a famous movie, uh, Invictus, which yeah. basically goes through it and how he did that. He brought the entire country together with the Rugby World Cup. And the fact that we won that year gave South Africa an immense sense of, of oneness. Because uh, like being on the world stage rather than just in our little country. And it was absolutely brilliant what he did. He, but now that he's gone, it's slowly that kind of mentality is starting to trickle back a bit and that's what's causing a lot of the problems in South Africa.
0: It's so amazing that kind of historical thing because you think if there had been no Nelson Mandela or just if the rugby team hadn't hadn't have been good enough it, it to carry that yeah, yeah <laughs> right like yeah things could have gone totally differently totally <laughs> wow wow that's that's super interesting. So um so in that case then the Zulu groups as well still primarily use English, and it's so okay. I, it's it's weird to say primarily because I think part one of the projects of this podcast is to show how language fills different corners of, of life. But um, so you said in business in the workplaces English sure. is the primarily. When you talk about these groups, um, the, like political groups and stuff within, say, their own rallies or their own political parties, are they also still predominantly communicating in English, or would it be if, if it's a if this group happens to be mostly Zulu people or mostly Afrikaners,
1: do they do they then use Zulu or Well, Afrikans? you see, with with regards to like the political rallies, like um, they're mostly entirely black, and a lot of, so a lot of the time they use um, Zulu, and I think that they also use English to basically like because to facilitate the news. If a political figurehead starts just rattling off his ideologies in Zulu. Then, like the, the media has to then go and translate that. Okay. So I guess they're kind of requested to speak in English, okay. and they mostly do.
0: So that creates a lot of interesting opportunities. And I think coming from a place like America, where it's it's not not multilingual. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. But it's not multilingual yeah. in the sense that it's not built into the fabric of of education. Right. And there's no expect there's no consensus that people ought to have a right to use different languages everywhere in yeah. the U.S. In fact. A lot of people find that idea by itself very offensive and yeah. and disturbing. And one of the reasons I think a, a lot of um, monolingual, which is most Americans, but a lot of monolingual, perhaps linguistically conservative Americans, dislike the idea that you know a, a language you don't understand is kind of like a secret code to you. Yeah. You don't know what people are saying. You don't know if it's good for you or bad for you or if it has anything to do with you. And I think people that, that are um, prone to those kinds of anxieties if they're in a room where a foreign language is being spoken they might almost be inclined to assume the conversation is about them somehow yeah. or they're being referenced somehow which oftentimes it's not
1: no most of the time it's not but you know <laughs> yeah. it's, it's those it's, kind of people who call english american <laughs> <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> but
0: at the same time there isn't there is a grain of something to that cuz like living here where we we might be out um, like for example yesterday was sunday um I, i've mentioned in here before uk and i speak english all day on sunday um, but when we go out in public, like yesterday, we were looking at houses. Where we're with a real estate agent. Of course, we're not speaking to him in English, and so it becomes a funny thing. We usually don't have to think about it because we the, the other six days of the week we just speak Japanese all the time. But we're in the car with a real estate agent, and we're thinking like, do we just should we all should we talk to each other completely in Japanese while we're in the car with this guy just to be polite? Mm but does he need to hear everything we're saying if we're saying if we're talking about like buying groceries later or anything does that need to be in Japanese because it's not really yeah and so it becomes a thing where you're making a decision if if we speak Japanese it's consciously so that he can understand us and if we're speaking English we've made a decision that either he doesn't need to know this or
1: we don't want him to know it yeah but what is his perception of the choice to right. speak English yeah <laughs> exactly
0: and and i'm sure you've experienced it like if you and i got on a train here and we wanted to like comment on somebody's shoes. Yeah. We, we wouldn't do it in Japanese, Well, we, we, you and I wouldn't be speaking Japanese to each other anyway, most of the time. Yeah. But, um, but you know what I'm saying? So it's not impossible, but I think that's part of just life. You, you yeah. can't be upset that someone's noticing your haircut or your shoes or whatever and commenting on it. And if they want to do it in a whisper yeah, or they want to do it in a different language, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Mm. You know, people don't want everybody to hear everything they're saying. So, the reason i say all that is for americans that's a sort of weird it's a very simple part of life in a lot of parts of the world yeah. especially well i say even places like japan which are monolingual yeah um in that sense it's not they're not like south africa or singapore you you still see that the japanese understand that japanese people speak japanese and when non japanese people come to japan they they speak other languages and they're not too fussed yeah. About getting people's faces going, what are you talking about? Is it about me? You know what I mean? I yeah. think that a lot of a lot of smaller, less self absorbed countries yes. are comfortable with the idea that there are other people who speak other languages. Of course. Yeah. And the US has a lot of trouble with that. Yeah.
1: Because a yeah. lot of people in the US are quite self absorbed. <laughs> Yeah, well, not, and, to, not to give a blanket statement. But no, I mean, it's
0: true on an individual level, but I think there's also something structurally in where we've been in geopolitics for a while that American news, American um, advertising encourages Americans to think of themselves as the center of the universe. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so in any case, um, I, it's interesting for me to see how that shakes out in other countries that are in the fabric of them multilingual. Because Americans really couldn't abide the idea of a political party that did everything in Spanish. And then Spanish is like one of the closest languages to English in yeah. the, on the global stage. I mean, w- once you get past like Dutch and maybe German yeah. or, the, or the Germanic languages, it's, it's, it's awfully close to English. And even that to Americans is like, like you said, speak American. Yeah. So um, how, do, how does that work out in a country like South Africa? Obviously, like you say, not everybody understands Afrikaans perfectly. Not everyone understands Zulu perfectly, even if they've took, taken it
1: in school. Do people get freaked out by that? No, not at all. No? No. I mean, you you go to like a supermarket and there's like a Zulu family just speaking in Zulu, Dutch family speaking in Afrikaans, and an English family speaking in English, and everyone just keeps to themselves.
0: When it enters the political sphere, though, I mean, if there's a a group that looks kind of scary, like you've heard some rumors about them that they're pushing scary policies and they're having most of their rallies in a language you don't understand.
1: No, it seems like their languages are mostly in English, again, because I, I think in the political sphere you have to speak english for the most part because again we have a parliament and if you become you know a a political party and you join parliament i mean everyone is speaking english it's the common tongue so you can't really um and parliament is filmed like in england all day they have a camera on it it's like it's 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 a it's a channel on the on the on the tv parliament channel
0: and i'm assuming because of the you know the period of being a british colony that the the Law is all in English, and yes. the Constitution. Is it a Constitution?
1: Yeah, we have a Constitution. Sorry, I ha- ha- I've never seen it, but <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, it's probably a dumb question because I think most most countries in the world have some version of a Constitution now. But I had a, a friend from New Zealand on, and he was saying like New Zealand's one of the last countries in the world that doesn't have a Constitution. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well. Apparently they've got a they've got some things on papers that say kind of how it should work,
1: <laughs> and that's just how they they go. I see. Yeah, we've got a constitution. But yeah, again, I've never read it, never seen it.
0: Is there any, um, I guess, political tension over language? Does anybody want to push to make one or the other the official language or change it? The
1: only the only push that I'm seeing now from my limited view of the, the, the news in South Africa is that they're changing a lot of um, names of roads, buildings, monuments, even suburbs and places because they feel that, the, you know, like, um, the name has a, like an old, it's like what they're doing in America now where they're tearing down the old statues. Mm. That's what, that, what they're doing. Um, the university, I think, what was it called? Uh, the, the University of Pretoria, their capital was named something and then they changed it to Tswane University. They changed it to a Zulu name. They're changing a lot of these things um, into Zulu names because the they don't want to have the apartheid connected name associated with these different things.
0: In that particular case, was there any reason why it was Twane as opposed to any
1: other Zulu word? I mean, did that have some historical connection with the place or the institution? Yeah, I'm not too sure what the word Twane means. It might be a person. Again, (laughs) I don't look too much into these things, but I know from what I've seen, they're making a lot of changes. I mean, yeah. I mean, there there are certain um, instances where that's correct. I mean, if you have... Like a university named after a, a guy who wrote the laws of slavery in in apartheid, and he's named is on a university. Fuck that guy, take it off, change it. But I mean, it's going a bit far now. Hmm. It, it's it's really tough because with with all of this
0: thing, I, with all of these types of things, and I think there's parallels everywhere. Uh, Australia recently, I don't know how recently, but I. I just was aware that I stopped seeing the word Ayers Rock and started seeing Uluru yes. everywhere, so I think that same thing is happening in in a lot of um, post colonial places. Yeah, I wonder in in some ways um, if if and when it, it it'll ever happen in Japan. Not to get too much into it, but one thing I find very interesting is that Okinawan or the 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 UQ languages, because it's actually a language family, it's it's small, but yeah, um, is in. Japanese referred to as a the dialect. They call it Okinawa Ben, which means yes. Okinawa dialect of Japanese. And every Japanese person who's lived in Okinawa, and some of them have learned it, some of them have just been around it and heard and know a few phrases, everybody will agree it's not Japanese. Totally not. Almost none of the words are the same. Yeah. The, the grammar's different. Like, if, if you compare dialects of Japanese, you know, like, what's thank you in Japanese, right? It's arigato. It's arigato, yeah. and it's arigato, like, all over Japan. There's stuff, you know, there's different ways, you know, Osaka will say yeah, which which is a different phrase. It's like y'all come again now or yeah. whatever. Like it's not it's not a different word for for arigato. They also say arigato, but yeah. in in uh, Okinawa, I'm going to get it wrong and this is bad because there's no people there's nobody in the room to correct me, but uh I think it's nife devil. Yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. And it's like uh, that's not that is not Japanese. That's yeah. a different language. Yeah. And that gets into the whole there's there's a political question of what defines a language, a different language versus a different dialect. Yeah. Why are Italian and Spanish different languages and not dialects of Latin? Yeah. Why are um, for example, uh, German and Dutch different languages? Why are German and and Danish different languages? I mean, there's a bit of arbitrary lines drawn there. But in Okinawan it it really comes down to like that's part of Japan. Yeah. And we need to not refer but to I mean, it as Okinawa, a separate.
1: But Okinawa, Okinawa was its own separate. That's country. what I mean. Yeah. I mean,
0: politically, it's, it's part of the Japanese state now. Yeah. So it's like unacceptable to refer to it as a different language. I see. Um, and I think there's a bit. I, it's interesting because I notice it less with with Ainu. And I should I should clarify when I say um, unacceptable. I don't mean that people are militant about. It. I've never had anybody be. Like no, you must not say it. it's. A, it's not that. It's. It's a more subtle kind of. It's called Okinawa Ben or ryukyu Ben, as opposed to like Yuku Go, which would be like the language of the Ryukyu yeah. or Okinawa Go. But I think linguistically, when people talk about it um, academically, they acknowledge that it's. It's from a different. Um, it has different language roots. It works differently. It's. It's a different. Um, I, I think the syntax is different. It's definitely a different lexicon, as you say, right? It's a different body of words. Yeah. Um, but it is referred to as a dialect of Japanese, which I think is just, is j- that just an accident? Maybe it's just a mistake rather than a conscious choice. Possibly, but wow, that's okay. That's it. It could be completely innocent and just an accident, but mm-hmm. I, I tend to read things as having meaning, even if they're not fully consciously intended. And yeah. one of the, the things is it's uh, one of, one of the ways of reading that that perhaps is mine is that it's a way of denying that it,
1: is other it is other that it has a separate yeah history or whatever to it you're part of japan now therefore yeah
0: your language is japanese it's just a different kind of japanese Japanese, yeah Yeah. (laughs) um yeah i don't know i don't remember where i was going with that anyways (laughs) yeah so we can get off the geopolitical stuff and i want to ask you about because before we got are you doing okay with the heat right i think it's building up in this
1: room it's all right not too bad um I am African, after all. <laughs> <laughs> um, wh- Oh yeah. So before we,
0: we started recording, you 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 expressed a mild uh, anxiety over the idea of, of South Africans hearing you and being like, "That guy's why, why is he ta- why is he talking like an
1: American?" Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, it was uh, It's weird. My, my 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 general accent has changed over the years. And I, I, I sometimes sound South African. I sometimes sound American. And yeah, for like the, my hardcore friends back in South Africa, when they hear me talk, they're just like, dude, what the fuck? Well, you sound you sound like a mishmash <laughs> of different cultures. And it's, it's weird because if I like, I have to consciously switch back to my original accent when I'm in South Africa visiting. Mm-hmm. And you can hear like m- my accent is completely different to yours. Yeah, of course. And I've heard you shift a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I shift, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially like I don't know if I'm getting drunk, then that 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 South African.
0: Probably also when when we've when we've been having drinks and Gerald um, is there.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, we, of course. When I speak with Gerald, I hear his accent and his voice, and suddenly I change back to my South African accent. <laughs>
0: it's an interesting process, and I, I've experienced it much less than you because I, I'm from LA and like our ours is one of those accents that everyone in the west coast of america doesn't think they have an accent you know yeah. it's one of those things where people that are not around a lot of different ways of speaking tend to think theirs is the default way and because so much media comes out of the west coast of the u.s yeah. and the way people like me talk we uh, we we think of it as like the blank like the default english yeah. um but even me, even someone who who doesn't have a ton of pressure to change, like living in Japan, it's definitely changed the way I, I, I talk. Not necessarily from Japanese influences so much as like I don't know, I don't have a ton of American friends, yeah, and I don't have I don't have a ton of American friends that speak exactly like I do, yeah. And you sort of subconsciously change, right? Yeah. So like, what? Obviously, when I'm around you, like it's not like I'm getting upset if you speak
1: yeah i know to be honest at the end of the day i don't really give a flying fuck yeah but so uh, what what causes it to happen for you do you think i don't know like uh, when i lived in china right the first school i ever worked at um the idea of having an african person uh being a teacher at the school that was like a big no-no so they were like so please um we know you're african but could you please tell everybody that you're canadian okay and uh Try, to, try your best to put on a bit of a Canadian accent, if you can. Because, like, some of the parents yeah. spoke fluent English and okay. had been to Canada. Okay. So, like, for a long time, I was kind of, like, putting on this, like, Hey, what's up? How are you, how you doing, everybody? You know, like, my name's Chris from Canada. <laughs> and, you know, four years of that kind of fucked up my accent. Wow. <laughs>
0: so, how... Obviously, you're not, you're not the first person I've heard be told that kind of a thing. But I always think it must be so weird because if someone told me, like, could you just be from London though? <laughs> could you just just be from London while you're here? Yeah. Like, I it wouldn't be like it'd be okay. Let me pull out my London accent that I've had in my pocket this whole time. Like, yeah.
1: I, so how did you come up with it? No, I just like I had a little backstory. No, well, I mean,
0: how did you come up with the the way you spoke?
1: Well, I mean, I've been watching American TV ever since I was a little kid. Uh-huh. So, I mean, to get an American accent, it's it's like the easiest attainable accent for me. Sure, because I grew up watching American TV all the time.
0: Were you channeling a specific character from a specific show or something? I, I
1: wish, I wish I went that far. <laughs> I just kind of like I just watched American TV and then like oh, and we say ah ah ah, eh, and then just changed my a's. Uh-huh. We say dance, you say dance. Yeah, you know things like that and. Yeah, it kind of it's it, it came almost naturally to me. Okay. It's a bit like learning katakana. <laughs> I see.
0: <laughs> right, cuz it back to katakana, it's dance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um but yeah, I didn't really yeah, channel anything. I just I, I I've been around the, the accent long enough to, to um be able to f- kind of fall into it. So if they'd asked you
0: to be Australian or British,
1: it would then okay. I, I would have been screwed. Okay. <laughs> I can't do a, I can't do just Australian accent yeah uh. the funniest thing though was like it wasn't it wasn't hard for me like being a south african but being predominantly an english speaker but we we got these characters that came to our school sometimes that it was just like hello my name is vladimir i come from uh, from london <laughs> here is my london passport it's like where did you get this <laughs> who the fuck are you, who are you trying to fool <laughs> you,
0: you, so you mean these were teachers who got
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these teachers and you're like, "Hi, Vladimir. I'm from Canada." It's like, "Nice to meet you. Very good, yeah." <laughs> what do you look?
0: Wow. Yeah, East Asia is um, very unabashed about that sort of things that would be sensitive or uncomfortable for at least North Americans. Like, they they'll just straight up say. And I've worked in plenty of, of offices here. Like, I was working in, in textbook writing and, and editing for several years. And you know, for this project, the boss would be like this is going to be like only American English, which you can understand from like a language textbook perspective. Sure. But I've seen it in, in schools and stuff too, where they'll just be like in this school, British English is correct and yeah. everything else is not correct. Or American English is correct and everything else is not correct. And um, we want you to speak American, which being American is not a tall order for me, but it's it's still a weird. Yeah. Like, How can somebody who's never lived in America? I mean, I guess like you say, if, if when it comes to the American accent, there's a lot of media exposure, so they can sort of fake it. But yeah,
1: but yeah, some other accents. Well, I guess it's a, it's only American and English, right? Those are the two like go to. Nobody officially. Yeah. yeah. No, nobody wants a you know like a, 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 a New Zealand accent right. being talk to their kids. All right. Uh, I, I mean, mean there <laughs> might be some niche.
0: You know, some niche teacher out there that's the guy that, they, you know, when your kid's going to go study abroad in New
1: Zealand, you call him up and... Yeah. yeah. I remember there was one, one teacher at our at our old school back in China, oh, bless his bless his heart. He was Indian, and he had a thick Indian accent, but he was a fantastic English teacher. The only problem is all these kids picked up his Indian accent. It was the funniest thing to see little Chinese kids like, Good morning, how are you today, Mr. Chris? <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's how it happens, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, that makes perfect sense. And, and at the end of the day, like, is it that, is it that, is it
1: bad? No, it's not bad at all. I mean, you know, as long as they're learning and having fun, fuck, whatever accent you got.
0: Because uh, there's so much of that in the world. Like, um, I remember going to, so my family, I got a bunch of family in Mexico, but they're all from Jalisco State, which is... I think it's famous probably mostly for tequila. Um yep. Guadalajara's there. It's not a huge sightseeing draw to most people. Guadalajara, what what's that? It's just a city. It's, oh, a, I it's see. probably the biggest city in there. Guadalajara and um uh, anyway. Uh, but one time my family and I went to Mexico City mm. and we don't have family. So we were tourists there, including my Mexican family. they were there as tourists. I think my my grandmother's some some distant family member had married somebody and, and moved to Mexico City. And we were visiting them, and then we did, like, sightseeing stuff. And we are on this tour with a bunch of uh, South Americans. There was, like, a Peruvian and some Colombians, and they were all kind of making fun of Mexican Spanish. Really? Because cause Mexican Spanish is very – it sounds very sing-songy compared to, like, Spain – and I think most of South America leans towards Spain. It's, it's an interesting thing that, thing that happens where Mexico, I think, got very into its own culture. But yeah. Mexicans, it's like very Mexico. So they're cool having a very like Mexican accent. The same way Americans don't want to sound British, right? Yeah. Um, even if it sounds like sophisticated or whatever. This is how we talk here. We're yeah. American. Um, whereas I think a lot of educated um, upper class people in South America prefer to sound like they're from Spain. Or they, I they speak a more Spanish lilt of, of it, it, which sounds different than Mexican Spanish. I mean, one thing famously, um, Spain, they everybody lisps. It's like part of like a lisp is built into the language. Or I guess you could say that's just how the S is pronounced there, except that Mexican and Spanish which split off before that became fashionable in Spain doesn't have the lisps. You can really hear that difference. Hmm. But Mexican Spanish also tends to talk like this. It's oh. very like...
1: Wavy. Yeah.
0: I don't want to, I don't want to, I do a shitty job um, imitating it. I don't want to sound like an idiot, but it's, there's a, there's a rhythmical like up and down to it that you don't hear in other dialects. And all the, the Peruvians and the South Americans were all laughing about it like during this trip in Mexico. And that's the first time it hit me. I was like, oh shit, like this sounds weird. Like Mexican Spanish sounds weird to them. And that's just everywhere, right? I went to Denmark and my, my, an old um, friend of mine, Uh, from college who studied abroad in the US she was telling me that in in Denmark they'll make fun of how Greenlanders talk because Greenland's part of Denmark and and they have apparently a different dialect and they sound like hillbillies or something the equivalent and
1: well day. yeah it's like, it's like us hearing a person guy from like scotland with a fixed scottish accent okay. like at the, you know it's not even sounds weird you have no idea what the fuck he's talking about yeah that
0: was it well you know we we went to scotland for our honeymoon and yes. for me it wasn't too bad i think maybe living outside the u.s for uh several years it sort of broadens your horizons you start sure. getting more comfortable there. so i didn't i didn't find scotland too tough but yuki definitely there were some times where she's like Actually, in Denmark, before we went to Scotland, we ran across a Scottish couple. At the, they were selling mead. It was some little tourist thing. And, and we were both drinking mead, and the Scottish guy was saying uh, – he was talking to us. Because we, we mentioned we were going to Scotland next, and he we talked about, like, oh, you know, but it's beautiful here. Like, it's, it's a lot colder in Scotland right now, blah, 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 blah. And we were talking for maybe five minutes, and then he walked away. And like we were kind of excited because we were going to Scotland, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." He just gave us some recommendations of places to go. And Yuki's like, "I didn't understand a word. <laughs> I did not understand a single word that guy said." Yeah. Um. So yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Anything else? I think we've we've. My, I'm sure like. Maybe I can have you on again in, a, in a future episode, and we can we can mine the depths a little bit more. But I think we've done a good, we've covered some things
1: for sure. Yeah, I, can, I mean, anytime, man, I'm free. Yeah,
0: this this first season, I've been really trying to just do it conversation style, and this is a new project for me. I'll, hopefully, I'll get better at interviewing people and no worries, getting more out of you. But yeah, we
1: do? we have done what? It's a whole hour, man.
0: Yeah, we did. We did an hour. <laughs> nice. We'll we'll say that was what we were shooting for. So yeah. <laughs> mission accomplished. Uh, yeah. Thanks, dude.
1: Sure, Pratt. Sure, no problem. <laughs> 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 now I just looked at the computer, and now I realized oh shit, it was an interview. And then that <laughs> can't Yeah, don't,
0: don't, don't look at that. Uh, but that's good. That's good that you weren't in that mindset the whole time.
1: Yeah, I, I've been, I've been there, man. Like you know, I did a lot of recording. You know, as a kid, my my first session in a recording studio, dude. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do it couldn't get it done. It's got the you know that that red light nerves. We call it red light because it's got a red line on the, on yeah, the recording yeah, yeah, yeah Red light nerves, man. At the King's I'll Speech. Play something perfectly and then that red light switches on and just uh, can't do it. <laughs> but yeah.
0: Yeah. i yeah. I think you did fine until just now when you looked at it. <laughs> no prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I but I can cut around stuff sure. as well. Just trying to trying to think if there's anything else the language was. So how about now? Do you do you use Chinese much anymore?
1: No, not really. Hey? After I got a divorce. Well, I mean like, I still play around with it. I, I've got one there that, our school has a Chinese teacher and but the thing is like I used to speak to her a lot but she's become so annoying. <laughs> That I just I can't deal with her anymore. I mean, she's like, I don't know, she's in her late 70s or late 60s or something, but she is completely computer illiterate. Huh. And every single thing she needs done on a computer, even if it's printing a piece of paper, she just comes in and interrupts my lesson and oh, you can you print this for me, please? Or oh, you have to do this for me. No please, no, thank you. She just forces her work upon me. And after the coronavirus uh, broke out, she was then left with the task of doing all of her, because she works at the university and she's got like 300 students and suddenly now she has to work through her computer and I'm the guy to do it for her and I have to facilitate everything mm. and it's like on a we, it's on the, the university website that um, I have to, it's all in Japanese, so I'm like, I can't help you, sorry. And she's just been harping on me, harping on me. So um, yeah, I don't speak much Chinese, but actually the, the owners of my school are chinese okay yeah so i did not know that yeah so recently my school got bought out by a couple and um it's a chinese um wife and a japanese guy and they both speak chinese so i still use it here and there but i I don't think i'll ever forget it
0: Hmm. Hmm. you just referenced an interesting thing that happens with languages you know the you chinese for you was the context for it was first living in china and then it was your 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 marriage yeah and um once that's gone now it's like who are you going to speak chinese with becomes a, a bigger question and that that's totally a thing like when i was living in gunma uh the first two americans that i met also in japan because hmm. in gunma it was full-on i i really that was a good experience for me that i did, didn't know anybody who really spoke i knew some japanese people who kind of spoke it but it was like after 10 minutes you'd run out of <laughs> they'd run out of stuff they could say in english so that was good for me that way but occasionally i'd like want to I'd meet some Americans and think, Oh, it'd be nice to have some English speaking friends. Mm. But if they're not your people, so to speak, yeah. you know, after a while it's like, yeah, but the only thing that I have in common with this person is that we have the same native language yeah. <laughs> and people who never leave their home country or, or, or don't spend a lot of time outside of it. Don't really understand that you can end up in a situation where your language, where it's like, yeah, I'd like to speak English with people sometimes, but, but the people that I have, or in your case, like Chinese, yeah. the, the the one person that I can speak Chinese with is not somebody I want to talk to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you, you, we have a limited selection of people who we can speak our native tongue. And, and then it's just like, well, I guess I won't speak Chinese then. Yeah, but I, I can't lose my Chinese. I mean, Chinese is said to be... the, the It is the world's most spoken language yeah. just by default, Population, basically.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you... um, It's you know living here it's you'd assume i mean before i came here i assumed that when i went to japan more people would like speak chinese as a second language, or as a second language or maybe korean because it's so close but Mm.
1: um it's weirdly not common here it isn't and um, yeah i mean learning uh, just in general in japan learning a second language is actually learning it and doing it and getting to the level where you can converse and read and write in english or any other second language for japanese people seems to be Something very difficult. There's a guy,
0: um, this is very poorly remembered, but there was a, a a foreign writer in the Japan Times who, I don't know if it was this year, but I read it this year, recently wrote an, uh, uh, an op-ed article that was basically pushing like a conspiracy theory. I was really surprised they ran it, but his, his argument was that there's like intentional subliminal pressure on Japanese people to not get too good at a foreign language like English, for example, that even though they're pushed to study it, study it institutionally. It's there's I don't know what the, this is the thing about all conspiracy theories. is it's like, what's the mechanism? How is this being done? But yeah. he, he was he was arguing that the Japanese government does not want a bunch of Japanese people who get really good at English or Chinese or whatever and then go abroad and are like hey i'd like to live outside of japan forever and they they don't want a bunch of mass emigration oh, I see. As, as the population's already decreasing and aging so they're so they're like trying to cap people's ability which is an interesting thought because that would probably be a smart idea yeah <laughs> but i don't
1: know that that's actually what's being done or i don't know like well, I, I think it all comes down to basically like the the education system here uh, it blew my mind recently that uh, I read that, yeah, like in Japanese education system, they don't speak English as much as they read and write it. It's like
0: math. Like yeah. you, you learn the rules of English and you learn the vocabulary and you learn how, but you're just mostly, you get paper, you know, paper tests and you... It's like what multiple choice? Yeah, multiple choice. Or you might have to break down a sentence, what is being, there's a conversation and what are they saying? But yeah, it's not taught as a. Um, it's like if you were to learn baseball or like judo, but you never actually did judo or played baseball. Yeah. Someone just gave you a bunch of manuals with like diagrams on like a good swing and like how to plant your feet or like a, a good throw. It, you you learn a, about judo or baseball, yeah, but you never do judo or baseball. That's weird, man. It's like,
1: I, that, I think that's the the entire route. Oh, absolutely. Of, of uh, not being able to speak English. It's constantly. changing.
0: Is it? It's changing. I mean, what I'm saying, I think, is still true in a lot of contexts, but it used to be, from what I hear, especially like 20, 30 years ago, it used to be the only way it was done. Yeah. Now, you know, it, there's a weird tension because some people are, language is just a mani- or sorry, English is just a mandatory subject and they don't really care too much yeah. about changing it. But there are people that are like, hey, why did I have to study for 12 years you know, uh, 16 years if you went to, went to college, or I don't know, I, th- I think it used to only be from junior high school, but whatever. People that feel like, why did I have to study all these years and I can't speak it at all? Like, what was, yeah. you know, I, I put the effort in. Why why can't I speak English? Um, so I think there are people that want to wanna change the system and it is it is gradually changing. Also, if you're going to throw money at something, like all the money that's spent here on, on English um, education and acquisition, like you'd hope you'd have something to show for it, right?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: So that that's why the ALT program was created was so there'd at least be a foreigner in every Japanese school that the kids could talk to. Yeah. But even that it didn't it didn't seem like it was very well thought out at first. It's like, let's just put a foreign a foreigner and have him be in the room in every English class while the often not fluent in English Japanese English teacher teaches grammar and occasionally turns to the foreigner to like, now ask the kids what color the balloon is. (laughs) Like you know what I mean like yeah. they, they tried with that and I think it's it's gradually getting better but not uniformly and
1: definitely. Yeah. How yeah. how is it structured in your lessons? Well in in my school the entire day is in totally in English. Yeah, you got to have that. Yeah, so it's an immersion school so basically it's English every day all day. The children not not we did not force them but we reinforce their ability to, to converse in English, you know, during play and things like that. We, we have lessons that, that, that kind of support and facilitate, um, you know, them using their own conversation in order to do things and interact with friends and, and, and describe things. That's basically how we do it. And then there's only one day a week that has Japanese lessons, Only f- like 45 minutes. That's the only time they speak Japanese during the day. And then two Chinese lessons twice a week. But for the rest of the time, everyone speaks English all the time. Hmm. I saw a
0: kindergarten. It may, it may be commonplace, so forgive me if it's like, if you're like, yeah, that's exactly what we do. But I, I, a friend of mine who worked at a, um, an English kindergarten yeah. here showed me some of the, the videos that they use for the really young kids. And, and the, fr- the very first video was basically teaching them, teaching them all these phrases that essentially would be like how a kindergartner would fight, but in English. So it was all stuff like that's not fair or like yeah, yeah. that's mine, and I was like that's actually brilliant. Yeah, that's actually brilliant because that's all the words they want to use. Yeah, like whereas a lot of places would traditionally would would just give them stuff like my name is John. Exactly. I like pasta.
1: Yeah. So like through through the year as they come up through the the, the classes up until the, my final class, there's a, there's like a list. Of phrases that they the teachers have to teach the kids and those phrases are basically structured around the things that they do in the class so like talking with your friend uh, this is mine oh here you go all these different little things and if we get, even get up to like complex stuff like oh, excuse me could you go and switch on the light please or um, now I want to I want to use this uh, thing let's build this like this we have all these descriptive um, Kind of sentences or phrases that we try and build into them, mm. on top of science and grammar and um, spelling, phonics. But yeah, that's with a foundation of like that's why the kids at our school speak. They all they have no issue speaking English. Yeah,
0: I've seen you guys around the neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> you heard a bunch of kids I've never seen before going.
1: That's Ian. Yeah, that's Ian. <laughs> Where's his dog? <laughs> Every year, man, every year we get to the g- grade two super teacher worksheets and Ian and Sir Wags a lot.
0: Yeah, you should probably explain it that way. That people are going to be like, why is, why did Ken right, Yeah, who-
1: so there's a website called su- superteacherworksheets.com. It's a fantastic resource for reading and comprehension worksheets from like grade one level. And there's like a running series of this little kid named Ian who gets a dog and the dog, he names the dog Sir Wags a lot. Uh, it's, it's a cute little series of, of stories.
0: Wait, this is existing material?
1: This is existing. Oh, go. I
0: thought you you named the character Ian. No, 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 no. Okay. This is
1: existing material on a website. And uh, yeah, they, they love Ian. And I was like, by the way, guys, I got a friend named Ian. Oh, okay. And they're all like, does he have a dog named Sir Waxalot? Sadly, he doesn't. No. But if he ever gets a dog, I'm going to make him name it Sir Waxalot. <laughs>
0: okay, that makes a lot more sense. For some reason, I thought that you had like... Just chosen to, your friends' names no, as characters. No, no, no. And there's
1: a there's a already like so, there's a whole running series okay. on this website. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's like the reaction that was quite cool. You know, like this is the real Ian. He grew up now, like, kind of like whoa. It's yeah, because other
0: than the character in the worksheet, they probably don't know anybody named Ian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could it really be depressing yeah so guys those worksheets are from a long time ago I was a different person but Sir Wags Lot has been dead for very many years
1: just break their little hearts <laughs> no I
0: not do that Um. okay man thanks I think we'll, we'll probably wrap up here alright um, it's been awesome having you on the podcast thanks for sharing all your stories and, sure
1: anytime man yeah any
0: any cool uh, Chinese or Afrikaans or Zulu phrases you want to you wanna share before we wrap up? Hmm. What, what are some good ones to know?
1: So, so I'm just give you some Afrikaans words that everyone in, in Afrikaans uses. They're kind of like our slang kind of thing. So if a food is delicious, you say the food is lacquer. Lacquer. Yeah. And, um, well, if somebody really pisses you off, you can say folk yo. Okay, F- folk yo.
0: Yeah. It's just English but, with an accent essentially yeah. there, yeah.
1: And um, another, <laughs> I don't know how dirty I can get on your podcast though, anything. Um, oh, well, I'll, I'll put a little disclaimer before this part sure. or something. Yeah. And um, yeah, in Zulu, i uh, hmm. No, I mean, I, I didn't mean to stop you if you wanted <laughs> to get into something there. Uh, okay, so yeah, if, if you want somebody to go away, uh-huh, you can say futzek. 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 It basically means your feet, get them going. (laughs) That's a good one. And then uh, yeah, we have a lot of different like weird phrases that are English, but they make no sense at all. Okay. So like we call traffic lights robots (laughs) for some unknown reason. What do you call robots? Robots. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, like you know like a, a roundabout in a, in a road we call that a circle just going around the circle well,
0: some places say traffic circle don't they i don't,
1: I don't know, know a, that's don't that weird but and then like now doesn't mean now so if you're if you tell your friend like i'm coming now it means i'm coming in a short while okay and then we have now now which means later <laughs> 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 i'm coming later so what about right now? Yeah, then then it means exactly now. You have to specify. I'm I'm here. I'm gonna be there right now. Oh, okay, okay. All right, and then now it's like I'm coming soon, and then yeah, I'm coming now. Now it's like I'll come in about like two hours or something. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's about it. There's there's a lot more, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I can't really think of think of them right now. Ah, one last one. You might you might be impressed with this. Another way to say my friend in English South African my China. My China. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I have no fucking idea. Really? There's, yeah. So there's no story that. I don't know, man. So, somebody must have coined the phrase sometime, but there's a there's like a famous phrase from like a movie. It was like, "How's it, my China? How's it means how's it going, mm-hmm. and my China is my friend. But yeah, like, what all... movie is that from? I don't fucking know. Is it an old? Is it an it's old? A, I think it's an phrase? older movie. It's an older phrase, kind of like from the the, the, the 90s, okay, the early 2000s, <laughs> where like yeah, people just say like, "How's it, my China? Lacquer brew <laughs> <laughs> is is lacquer only for food or is it? Now other... it can be for anything. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's just basically like, like oh shit, this is good. Yeah, it's um, okay. so lacquer chicken. Lacquer uh, Braai is what we call a barbecue. Braai? A braai. Yeah. Bry. And ah yes, uh, we call booze specifically brandy. Well, it's called brandewijn, which means the burning wine. Brandewijn, that's a cool word. Brandewijn, yeah, and. And we also nickname brandy, Marsa milk. Marsa milk. Marsa milk. Marsa milk. milk. <laughs> Mother's milk. <laughs> Interesting. Marsa milk. Yeah, we have a huge drinking culture in South Africa. So.
0: Well, that's uh, whiskey in in Gaelic is is water of life. Water of life. And, yeah. And vodka in Russian is little water. Little water. Yeah. You yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> know, it would be. It's because they drink it like water. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, Chinese or, or Zulu? Oh, Chinese. Uh, Zulu, don't ask me about Zulu. I don't know nothing in Zulu except yeah. for Futsak. Oh, that's Zulu. That's Zulu. I think it's derived from Zulu. And uh, I, I'm going to hit you in Zulu. Lokshaya Lokshayawena. Lokshaya Yeah. And then just to say hello is saobona. 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 Yeah. Wena kunjani is I think, how are you? Wena kunjani. I think, yeah, but that's all I know. It sounds cool. Yeah, it does sound cool, but yeah, can't speak that for shit. <laughs> um, and then in Chinese, well, yeah, I guess I can I can swear in Chinese because <laughs> nobody knows what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, like you, like the worst one to say is like "tao so that's like "fuck your mother," basically. Do and I want to repeat it? "Tao ni mada." mada." Yeah. "Tao
0: mada." Am I getting the tones? It's usually said with a lot of anger, okay. so they don't really care sure. about tones.
1: Um, and what else? By the way, I wasn't just
0: trying to get rude phrases. I've uh, well. you got me here parroting like awful, <laughs> awful things to say to people. Oh yeah,
1: well, that's usually the kind of things I say. To people. <laughs> <laughs> they
0: are the ones that stick first, right? Yeah. Like I
1: I, 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 I learned something very interesting about swear words. Swear words live in another part of the brain. And uh, it's quite interesting that when you ask me for a phrase, the first thing that comes up <laughs> is all the bad I shit. I totally
0: get it, though. Like, I, I for several years, I went to a school where most of the students were Korean. Yeah. Like, um, like kids from Korea, not Korean Americans. And they, uh, yeah, like when you hear a word shouted, <laughs> yeah, you know, like every couple a few times a week at school, you hear somebody angrily shout something at somebody. That word sticks in your brain. Yeah. Yeah, and so Korean, <laughs> yeah, like, Korean, I kind of knew, like, and like, like the hello and thank you, which is the other kind of first words you learn. But, like, man, I could not, for years, I could not remember those as quickly as I could remember the bad words.
1: Yeah, like, it's, 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 it's the case with everyone, because the bad words, I think they just live in a more accessible part of your head. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll okay, I'll teach you some different, like, interesting Chinese words. So for the, for the word for computer in Chinese is 电脑, and it directly translates. Den is electric, and now is brain. So electric, electric, oh electric shit. Brain. Okay,
0: in Japanese, denno is the same. The same kanji is yes. read the same way.
1: Ah, oh, it's so interesting. And like one of my favorite Chinese words is ziran, ziran, which means nature. Nature. Okay. And okay. zi is like the the word for like self, mm-hmm. and okay. ran is to do. So. It does it by itself, basically. That's interesting. The, the direct translation.
0: Shizen in Japanese is also... The first kanji is also self. Yes. But
1: I don't know if, it, if the second one's the same. That's yeah. super interesting, though. Yeah, yeah,
0: And, And... Hmm. Sorry, I, I don't mean to like hijack each one and say in Japanese it's this. It's just really fascinating because when I hear words in Chinese, all these lights go off my brain. They're like, yeah. oh, that's where that's from in Japanese. Because obviously, like for people who didn't know, Japan didn't have a written language before yeah. Chinese was imported, and so when you don't have a written language and you're using a different language system to write your language, you end up absorbing a lot of that of language course, as yeah. well. And, and of course, it gets changed. Like what was um Dian Nao? Dian Nao, Dian Nao doesn't sound like den Nao really, yeah. but you can hear where the Japanese turned it yeah. into Japanese, right? In,
1: Jap- in, Japan, in uh, Japanese ramen, Chinese lamian, mm-hmm. lamian, yeah. ramen, yeah. Uh, uh, cha han, chao <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: another one i noticed when i went to taiwan was um, they what they call the meat buns there is um, oh, okay that's that's the other ones the <laughs> 草籠包, oh xiaolongbao oh, yeah, yeah. in japanese xiaolongbao yes which is you just hear they just took all the tones out of it and just it just flattened it out to japanese so cha Bao xiaolongbao yeah
1: yeah bao actually directly translates to little dragon bun right
0: right right, right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 what was the other one we, you said? Uh, Baozhe. Baozhe. Those are the Buddha man. The, oh, those okay. big
1: fluffy uh, things with pork so inside. That's just of them. a totally different word, then. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, man. Chinese is an interesting language. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other interesting um, words or phrases. Hmm. Ma, if I think of any more, I'll write them down for our next podcast (laughs) was that a little japanese just now that ma yeah ma i'm picking things up yeah it happens yeah yeah starting to say (laughs) nanka those are good um i i always i try with with adult
0: students that are real real beginners like you said your first sentence in chinese was what's this yeah i always try to tell people like start with that don't even worry about anything else start with with how to say like. What's this in English? Yeah. That's a great word to to know. Definitely. Um, and but people want to skip that stuff sometimes. But I'm like, what's this in English? Um and a. Uh, yeah. I know you want to say ano eto, but if you're speaking to English speakers who don't know any Japanese, and you're going like, I went to the ano. Yeah. Eto. They're like, what it? What it, are those words? Like, what does that mean? So trying to because my my Japanese teacher in university, I remember first week or maybe. First first month there was a day of of class where she was just like we're gonna sit here and we're gonna go um, because she's like in japan if you go uh-huh people don't know what you're what that means yeah so you can't be speaking japanese and go like so this now huh you gotta go um, um. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's just
0: weird because it doesn't feel like that's language, but it's totally part of language. It's totally part of language. It's
1: the same thing. Like, you know, do you know the Chinese equivalent of of thinking? No. Um. No. Like, I don't know if it's okay for me to say on your podcast, but seriously, like, it sounds exactly like the N word. Really? Yes. Oh, I've I've heard a word that sounds like that. Yeah, when, yeah. In so that's the, that's the stuff. Chinese equivalent of ah. Uh, they say, nigga, nigga. Yeah, I've definitely heard that yeah. in movies and stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a word. <laughs> um, but yeah. It's, yeah, it's a very, it's, it's of course part of language. And uh, it's an important part because you can't mix and match. It sounds so weird. It's uh, It does not sound natural at all. Yeah. yeah. And back to like the, 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 you know, learning your first phrase is like, what is this in English? I feel that, that if you're truly passionate about learning a language and learning English, like, that sentence gives you something organic that you can actually totally. go out in, in the real world. Totally. And when you go out into the real world and, and, and like, actually use that to learn new things, it's a more of an experience rather than sitting in a classroom and looking at a whiteboard. Totally. I think that's why I, I picked up vocabulary so quickly in Chinese in Chinese because I was in a different location every time. There were things happening around me. Nah. And that kind of reinforced the memory.
0: Yeah, for the past um, couple of years since I've been te- I've been in an adult teaching context again. It's it's hard. You got to get a lot of adults out of bad habits. I think a lot of them they want to go to their English lessons or have their English study time and have it be this compartmentalized. Yeah. Like this is the time where I learn language and or, or learn English, and it's just going to be like input. They're just going to get a bunch of English and they're going to use it um, in in that time and then go back out and speak Japanese the rest of the week, and that's somehow going to improve their English, yeah. but. Like you say, like, I, I, I look at it as, like, a, certainly a language class or, like, a language textbook. Um, it, part of its function is to teach you the language. Yeah. But I think most of its function is is to give you a baseline that you can use to then teach yourself the language. Yeah. Like, if you can say, like, what's this in English? Or how do you say this in English? Or what do you call it when? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. like. If you got those phrases, you can really have not much else and go figure it out. Yeah. You can just go out into the world. Where there, if you're where,
1: not a, like a shy person and you don't mind like speaking to strangers and just right. asking like, how do you say that in English? Yeah. Excuse me. And uh, yeah, I mean. The,
0: there's tons of that when it comes to specialized language. If you're talking about any a specific top topic, if you're talking about like, say, science or history, anything that's that's off the beaten path of daily conversation. Um, like I, I learned it with historical figures because I like history and I like to talk about history with people and I'm fascinated whenever I travel and especially when I first came to Japan I want to hear what people who were not educated in the American viewpoint of history what they think about stuff so I like to hear that stuff and it's interesting to talk about for example European or Chinese history with a Japanese person because their pronunciation of European place names and European people names are a Japanified version of the correct European pronunciation like they call Vienna Wien and they call see, um yes. they they call florence firenze like they yes. ba- they're it's based on the real pronunciation in that language yeah. but they've like adapted kind of it to exported it yeah so there's a bunch of steps you have to go through if i'm thinking like uh greece for a long time i could not remember it was Girisha. yeah which yeah so i would i would be saying uh, Gidis greece, greece greece and they're just like like
1: greece like <laughs> yeah greece for a car motor. yeah like, like what, are you,
0: what are you talking about um But there's a lot of that sort of stuff. And then Chinese is the reverse, where English, we learn all the Chinese place names and people names from the Chinese pronunciation, and we've, like, anglicized it. Yes. Whereas in Japan, they they read the kanji in the Japanese way. So, like, uh, Mao Zedong is Mo Takuto in yes. Japanese. And that's only Japanese. Yes. That's not a real Chinese pronunciation and, at all. It's and just
1: the, the strange thing for for, um, for for Chinese is that for, like, all place names and, and things, they actually make new words. So, like, they don't say America. They say Meiguo. And they make... Oh, yeah. They make... Basically, they translate... Meiguo in. is... It's rice country, right? It's yes. the
0: same in... in uh, Japanese beikoku is the same kanji. Because yeah. koku is country. It's the same as guo in, in Chinese. Yes, And then be is... is but it's even weirder because in Chinese they call it that because mei sounds like the mei in America. I think that sure, was the syllable it, yeah. they heard was mei, America. Mm-hmm. So they went with mei. And then in in Japanese that kanji is read bei. So it no, no longer even sounds like the thing it was originally imitating. It's beikoku, which is rice country. Like Americans, the last thing they would expect that Chinese and Japanese people... Call them as rice country, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, what about so you said they, they make they make names? I, I'm assuming like for example, um, like Beijing, or I don't know, is it Beijing is the modern name? Peking yeah. is the old name, right?
1: Pe- uh, uh, or is it's, it it's, Cantonese uh, p- in? Peking is Cantonese. Okay, so Beijing is is Putonghua. Putonghua means standardized Mandarin. Okay,
0: so. Beijing is what is it like North,
1: something? If I remember the the kanji correctly, North uh, capital. North capital, I think so. Yes.
0: So when with Chinese kanji is Bei also just the standard word for North? Yes. Okay, so they don't change when they when they become place names. Yeah, Japanese is all funky that way. Yeah, that's why I haven't even bothered (laughs) (laughs) to even try. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, dude. Um, well, this is the third time we're signing off. But uh, that, that last part was interesting. Sure. I, I appreciate you sharing me the Chinese uh, and, and um, African stuff. So thanks, dude. Thanks for coming on. And hopefully have you on again soon. Hope so. All right. Cheers, man. Cheers.